Hey, this is Matt. This is Tony. And this is What Did We Miss? A podcast where we get around to resolving our pop culture blind spots, one episode at a time. Um, hey, remember when we did an episode on Queen? I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> and it was actually like, it was two, like two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Time flies. Uh, they just performed at the Oscars. Like yeah. they opened the show. Right. With Adam Lambert as a singer. Right. And I texted you and asked if, if Billy Crystal was actually singing. And this is the Trojan horse to bring him back to host. <laughs> no, it was it was really weird. He was just kind of, it was just, it, it felt it almost felt like, hey, these guys are gonna win a lot of awards tonight, and I made me really worried. It was just like, oh, is this setting up for Bohemian Rhapsody to win like a shit ton of awards, uh, and it won a few, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't win some of the big ones. It won editing, right? Which yeah. became kind of a a Twitter punchline yeah. very quickly. But honestly, I you know what's funny? I read. I mean, I don't think it justifies it because I think it's uh, if you watch the movie. It, I mean, the editing is pretty shitty. Uh, there's like a clip that's going around online that kind of shows why it's bad, but. I heard someone say that the reason why they think it won is because the movie was made in the editing because Brian Singer got fired. So like they had to salvage this movie. So it's almost like throwing them a bone for the editors. Like, good job, because without you, there would be no movie. The impression I get across the board is that a lot of the big Oscars were given out to things just for putting in an effort. (laughs) Like, I I don't know if, if, if the lessened learned about inclusion mm-hmm. for the oscars was oh we're gonna we're gonna give awards to a movie whose lead character is this gay icon and we're gonna give best picture to this movie about race mm-hmm. but those movies showing those things aren't very good i don't think anybody's walking away a real winner you know what i mean yeah yeah don't totally it was weird. The strangest thing is when Rami Malek won for best um, actor. He's the actor that played Freddie Mercury. And when they showed his clip, it was a clip of him lip syncing. So there's no, like, he wasn't speaking any dialogue or anything. It was him lip syncing. It was so, I was just like, are you, are you watching this? It's symbolism. It's all pretend. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, but yeah, so it was a, a bummer. Uh and I really, after going really, um, just listening to to Queen nonstop for like several months, it was just like I've I've I'm good with hearing them for a little while. Yeah, yeah. It's weird seeing them with Adam Lambert. It's it's like a cover band, and like nothing against Adam Lambert, but like I don't know why. It's, it's, you know, the crowd seemed to enjoy it. They were all they played "We Will Rock You" and "We Are the Champions." Hey, our favorite songs. Yeah, we shit talk those on our episode. We sure did. Yeah. So, eh, what are you gonna do? So, uh, besides hate watching the Oscars, what else you been up to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I um, I've been uh, obsessively playing Tetris ninety nine. Ooh, I hear good things. Yeah, uh, it's, it's Tetris, but you're going up against ninety nine people. Um, you get ninety nine problems and a brick ain't one. Oh, that's almost as bad as my bomb joke. 
almost. <laughs> they're they're both on equal footing. Okay, uh, so I, I don't know if you've ever played. Uh, I'm sure you've played Tetris. I have played Tetris. And so when you play one on one Tetris, like against an opponent, every time you clear a line, they gain that line. Mm-hmm. So with this game, you can target any of your 99 opponents, but. Typically, it's randomly targeting people, especially for beginners. So, like, they can randomly target you. So, what that means is the more you play the game, the higher the levels, your level increases. But that also means that you'll be targeted more. So, there are times when I've started the game and I've dropped, like, five or six blocks. And then, all of a sudden, like, three quarters of my screen fills up because, like, ten people are targeting me uh, because I'm a higher level now because I've been playing so much yeah and then you just die instantly uh so there are times where i'm like i come in first place and there are times when i come in 96th place it's pretty ridiculous i've convinced myself that a game like tetris will as a game that i could play for like oh i'll play this for like five ten minutes and then i'll put it down but no i that's a that's a delusion and i'll play for like an hour at a time and i'm like oh shit and it's just pointless yeah, it's fun. It, it sounds like they really managed to perfectly marry Tetris with um, the the battle royale game yeah. craze that's been going on the last couple of years with stuff like mm-hmm. Fortnite and um, PUBG. Yeah, it's crazy because while you're building up lines, like if you get a Tetris and you send your Tetris to an an opponent, and, and you wipe out an opponent, that gives you a knockout. And when you get a knockout, that increases. Um, how many lines you send to your opponent. But if they're sending lines to you, if you get a Tetris, it eliminates the lines that are being sent to you. So sometimes it's a constant battle of just, you can't you can't get any knockouts and you're just wiping away lines that are coming to you. And if you can't get knockouts, by the time you get to like, with 10 opponents remaining, you're just going to get annihilated. So it it's really challenging. <laughs> That sounds super stressful. <laughs> it kind of is. And there are moments when I'm just like, and Meg's like, you really shouldn't be playing stressful games. And I'm like, it's not stressful. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard uh, that's a hard argument to win. Yeah, it is. Uh, but that's kind of how I've always played. Like, I with video games, I'll play obsessively. And that's why I don't play a ton of video games because I can't, I can't moderate them sometimes. It's just all or nothing. So like I said, I've tried to convince myself games like Tetris, I'm not playing as much as I, I actually am. So, But in the past, when I was younger, I would play like a game like Final Fantasy VII. And it was just like, wake up, play the game, eat, play the game some more, go to bed. Yeah, there were a couple of years there not too long ago where I was playing games obsessively. And I, I think I was, I became aware that I was doing it to avoid other things. Mm-hmm. And I've really, the last year have really been fairly successful in sticking to not playing during the week and only allowing myself weekend nights to play specifically like, uh, up until recently. Uh, my wife, Sandra would, was working really early morning. So she was going to bed at like nine. So, so it was no weekdays and then weekend nights after Sandra goes to bed. And that was my video game time, which I'm congratulating myself, but it's such a, it's such a strange thing for, you know, to, to be aware of and having to sort of struggle to moderate. But I, I, I think it's just the, 
the addictive impulse that successful games uh, really, yeah, you know, drive at with people. It's, but it's funny because like I don't, and this is totally a personal preference kind of thing, but I don't feel the same way if I'm watching a movie or reading a book. I always feel like that's like okay, this is like this finite thing that I'm I'm doing right now. And I never feel as if like I'm wasting my time as much as I do when I'm playing video games. And again, if you play video games, you love video games, great. I'm not saying you're wasting your time. This is just my personal, uh, how I feel when I play. No, and I think that's valid. I think later in our conversation today, we're going to get to why it's not necessarily apples to oranges. Mm -hmm. But with a book or a film, you're right. It's 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 finite. There is a a clear start and end point. There is progress being made. It's also passive. For me, I avoided games like World of Warcraft, open-ended, sprawling, online role-playing games where there was no end because I knew that I would just, without that conclusion, without that reason to put it down, I wouldn't. Uh, that said, um, what I really gravitate to now as a gamer is very much narrative. So, yeah, when I'm in a game, I'm really in it, and I... I have that desire to keep playing it but i'm less interested in in sort of the, the like the lizard brain part of it which does get its hooks into me uh less interested in that more so than than the story um that said i've been playing red dead redemption 2 since it came out sticking to my weekends only schedule i still haven't finished it i think i'm almost at the end of the the actual story but i mean it's it's very slow paced as opposed to something like a like a Final Fantasy fifteen, which I was playing really hard and realized I hated every minute of it. <laughs> but I was doing all the side quest stuff. I was just doing all the busy work just to do it. Just again, it was like feeding that lizard brain. Red Dead is so slow paced that the side stuff doesn't ever distract you to the point where you th you're thinking, oh, I was supposed to rob a train like a week ago. And what happened to that train? I missed it. Um, nothing feels so urgent. And even the side stuff is just its just kind of stuff you happen upon. And the world is so sparsely populated in a way that feels natural as opposed to, a, you know, a lot of games that are spread out can't be as densely populated as something like that would be. And there's that sort of artificiality that it's almost like an uncanny valley kind of thing where the, the reality it's trying to trick you into believing comes up against the fact that it's a game. Mm -hmm. But um, something like Red Dead really... Yeah, I don't know. It sort of satisfies both those things for me. Um, that said, I'm also not in any rush to finish it because I'm really enjoying mm -hmm. the time in that world. So, yeah, I'm a recent game for me like that was Hollow Knight, mm -hmm. uh, which was, uh, you know, there's a story there, but I don't know if I'm like, like if you ask me, like, what's the story? What's going on in that game? And I don't know. It's a bunch of bugs. I'm not really super paying attention, maybe, but I really like enjoy. I enjoy playing it, and in the same, like I've kind of like put it aside for a bit so I can be like, oh, I don't want to finish this yet because I'm really close to the ending right now. It's a really tough game. It was for me, and I'm not particularly great at video games. Right? Um, yeah, I have. I have not right. I'm not agreeing with you that you're bad. <laughs> you're at like, right? You suck. You are. You're terrible. Um, I have Hollow Knight. I haven't played it yet. Again, I was waiting until I was done with Red Dead, but then I went out and bought a Switch. So who knows what I'm going to get? Bum, Yes. So now, see, that's the only system I had. And like, um, gamers get so 
competitive when it comes to the different systems. And like, I've always kind of had Nintendo games, and that's mostly because of Meg, and she's like liked the a lot of the, I guess, more family-oriented games, or she's more familiar with those games. She grew up with a lot of kind of like, you know, Diddy Kong Racing and mm-hmm. uh, Banjo-Kazooie uh, and, uh, you know, the original Mario's. Uh, so she she gravitates towards towards those games. So I've always said like, oh, if I can get a game that she's going to enjoy as well as I'm going to enjoy, then it's okay. It's another way of convincing myself that playing these games or these games are okay. So I tend not to get too many games that I know that she's going to have zero interest in. But right now she's obsessed with Animal Crossing on her phone. So that's kind of like, oh, well, she's going to play that. So I'll play a couple of rounds of Tetris or I'll go in and... and you know, try and find a couple of new things in Hollow Knight or something like that. But in the past, like when we got um, Zelda for the Switch, uh, she was obsessive with it and she, she really competitive. She'd be like, I got this. I don't know. I got this sword. Did you get this? And then, no, I haven't gotten there yet, Meg. Well, I did. And I, let me tell you. So she, she's really competitive with it. So that kind of added another element to the game. And sometimes we'll look for games that we can both play at the same time. That's Although cool. there was that cooperative uh mario game that came out a few years back i can't remember the name of it right now where you can play at the same time and she would always just be like was it the side scrolling one on the yeah. wii, on the wii u yeah new super mario brothers yeah wii u? that was it i think yeah and she would always just be like i'm getting it i'm getting it i'm like meg we're supposed to be working together and she's like no 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 it's mine now nintendo made a zelda game for the gamecube called four swords adventures it was a zelda game that took advantage of the link cable that they made to connect the Game Boy Advance to the GameCube. So, oh, yeah, I never so had you, one of those. You and three other people plugged in your Game Boys to the GameCube, and you're all playing as different links. And when you're all in the same room, you're up on the TV. But then as you could like branch off, and then you look at your individual screens. But, yeah, it just turned into me and my friends just screaming at each other and, <laughs> like, dicking each other out of rupees. And it was not fun, but we, uh, but we loved it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I got I got Mario Odyssey um, for the Switch. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I was you know fl- wanted to flip a coin between that and Zelda, but at the end of the day, I think I need a break from um, you know riding a horse through a vast, expansive landscape. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't actually like. I was kind of like when I played Zelda, I was kind of like, you know what, fuck this horse shit, and I didn't use the horse too too often. So I, you know, there is a way to avoid the horse, but I, I can understand why you're just like, this is too much right now after playing Red Dead. So, mm-hmm. But I've never played Red Dead. so And it's I've never great. owned an Xbox or uh, any of the modern PlayStations or anything like that. And I guess that kind of segues perfectly into what we're talking about today, which is... Metal Gear Solid. I know, you're so excited. I'm so I, excited. I've never played this game... Uh, um, I, so this is it came out in 1998. I did a search online and just for 1998 and just typing in top games of 1998 and all the top lists um, in the search engine were essentially 1998, the best year for video games ever. In terms of platforms, you're really talking about the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, the N64, uh, and PC. Mm-hmm. And I think... 1998, you can boil it down to one game no, for each. No Neo Geo? <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe. maybe I'm pretty still... sure the Neo Geo is the same year. It, it may have been kicking around. But, I mean, as far as my memory is that the Neo Geo yeah. is very cost prohibitive. And the Sega Saturn. Yeah, Sega Saturn was and treading the, water at best. And the Dreamcast. 
No, that came out in 99. Well, it says it right here on the game release for 1998 in video games. Uh, maybe it was out in Japan, because yeah. the big thing for the Dreamcast release was 99.99. But anyway, back to the point I was making before you derailed it with your trivia. <laughs> um, the N64, the PlayStation, and PC were really all that mattered. Your regular average American home didn't have a Neo Geo. The Saturn was sort of... You know what we had? What did you have? The Atari Jaguar. Why? My dad was got. My dad was excited about it. I don't. I don't remember. I think that was like the year before, or maybe two years before. And he was just like, "Oh, this is this is gonna be cool. They're making a comeback." Sometimes my dad will get on board with some sort of technology, uh, and um, and just be really invested in it. Um, I was, rem- was he all in on HD DVD? Yeah. He was. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't tell you this? No. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the story I got from my dad and why he supported the HD DVD over Blu-ray was because all these manufacturers got together and they said, hey, let's make the next high-definition DVD. And Sony, they were like, Sony, come be a part of our, our, of our team. And Sony was just like, fuck you, we're going to make our own. And then so all these companies got together and made the HD dvd and sony did their own which was blu-ray and my dad was like that's shitty so he supported high def dvd uh hd so he bought a bunch of them bought the first hd dvd player when it came out and i guess sony said they sold more units because they included it in their playstation 2 no playstation 3 playstation 3 so that's when they were like hey look we sold more which is kind of a cheat and then so Mm, no you know what it it Xbox 360 came out the year before. Okay. And you could play HD DVD on it, mm-hmm. but you had to buy a separate adapter. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. And if it had come in box, yeah. I, I think they would have they would have beaten them to market. It's possible, yeah. Uh and I don't know I don't know if the timeline works out that maybe it wasn't ready. Maybe that's why, but I don't remember. Yeah, when yeah. the PlayStation 3 Well, it's funny cuz the PlayStation did the same thing with with regular DVD. Mm-hmm. When the PlayStation 2 launched, I mean, that that was a lot of people's first DVD player. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we had the Atari Jaguar. Yep, and uh, HD DVDs. Yep, and HD DVDs. He still has a few. But we had uh, Alien vs. Predator, I think, for the Jaguar. That's the only game I can remember being on the Jaguar. Yeah, there was another one that was an update of Tempest. Okay. Which was a game he loved uh, when he was a kid. It was like an arcade game. So I think... He was kind of into that. Uh, there's probably some other games we had. We had like two other games for it, but it didn't take off. No, it did not. So 98. 98. 98. On N64, you had Zelda Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. PlayStation, you had Metal Gear. And PC, Half-Life came out. Oh, that's that's big. Yeah, that's huge. And I've I th- never played Half-Life. And I think the three of them really kind of broke the doors open for different reasons. How... How can you possibly leave out Banjo-Kazooie? I'm not saying it wasn't good. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> Another one, uh, you know, there, there were other games that were great that came out that year, but I think these are yeah. three particularly mm-hmm. important ones. But we're talking about Metal Gear today. Yep. Because. And I don't know. I Usually before every episode, we'll do a ton of research. And I didn't because I kind of wanted to go cold. We're going to do something different. We're actually going to play the game. Yeah. Yeah. So I do know you, you said that you did play the original Metal Gear on NES. Yeah. Which I did do a little bit of research. That was a heavily modified 
version. The game was originally released on Japanese uh, PCs. Oh, I think I heard about this. Um, so so edited to the point that Metal Gear, the the titular giant nuclear mech that you fight in all these games, was yeah. cut out of the NES version of Metal oh. Gear. I remember enjoying it. It was like one of those you got to collect all these items and you mm-hmm. upgrade and etc. and yeah, find your way through this big map and go to these different bases and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I never had well. I had a PlayStation, but I got it after everyone got it. And gotcha. it was like a gift. And so it was like a few years after that. And I caught up on games that came out before 1998. So I played like the first Resident Evil and mm-hmm. I played Final Fantasy VII. I don't remember getting too many other games for the PlayStation. I think shortly after that, I had moved in with my roommate and he had gotten a PlayStation 2. Um, so which was what, around 2000 or 2001 maybe? Mm, yeah. 2000 uh, 2001 yeah. uh, actually 2000 sounds about right i'd want to lean towards 2000 because i feel like it had been around for a little bit yeah. and i know gta grand theft auto 3 came out 2001 those are other games that i've not i haven't really played too too much so like i said i've typically been more of like a nintendo guy. nintendo guy and it's not because i'm like choosing size or anything it's just kind of happenstance in some ways um, but i've missed out on some big big games the nuclear weapons disposal facility on Shadow Moses Island in Alaska's Fox Archipelago was attacked and captured by next generation special forces being led by members of Foxhound. They're demanding that the government turn over the remains of Big Boss and they say that if their demands are not met within 24 hours, they'll launch a nuclear weapon. You'll have two mission objectives. First, you're to rescue DARPA Chief Donald Anderson and the president of Armstech, Kenneth Baker. Both are being held as hostages. Secondly, you're to investigate whether or not the terrorists have the ability to make a nuclear strike and stop them if they do. All right, so uh, we played a little bit of the game. You played. I just I, I, uh, I I sat there and judged. <laughs> Yes, you, you judge me, and and because I'm I'm terrible at these type of video games. It was a lot of me like kind of like spinning around, and you're like, "Why are you doing that? What what are you doing? Why are you doing that? No, go down the hall." I'm like, "I am going down the hall. I am going down the hall." And you're like, "No, no, keep going." It's almost like playing with your grandpa, um, you know, who's never played a video game before. Sure. Although I played tons of video games. Sure, this is, and this is not out of character for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick Metal Gear related sidebar. Okay. The demo for Metal Gear Solid 2 was released with a different game. Uh, and everybody bought it just for the demo. And I invited a friend over specifically so he could play the demo because I had already played it and loved it. Mm-hmm. And within 10 minutes, I was like, just give me that controller. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, that used to happen with my siblings because, uh, you know, I'm a little older than them. So we'd be playing games. And um, if they were doing something in incorrectly i'd be like no 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 just 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 give me the controller yeah back when i was okay at video games but now um i don't and we talked about this in the first half but i don't really have that kind of patience for it anymore for this type of game maybe where you have to be super sneaky and stealthy and you're gonna fuck up and then you're gonna have to do that thing again like five or ten times and and that's fine and right now the type of games i gravitate towards are typically games where there's not 
a ton of difficulty where I can just kind of pick it up, make some progress for a bit, and then, you know, put it down and, and, and it's fine. And there's not these big sprawling narratives necessarily. Sure, yeah. And this is definitely a game where, well, you can save sort of mid-playthrough at any time. There's no save points. You just have to call Mei Ling and she'll, you yeah. know, she'll jot down where you're at. If you have to go and you're stuck in a a long bad guy speech yeah. in a cutscene, uh, yeah, that can be a grind. Well, so after I played the game, we split up for a bit, uh, essentially a few weeks actually. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I watched the whole game, like mostly just the cutscenes and the big boss battles. Uh, it was a, a compilation of this on YouTube, and it was four hours long. Uh, and I watched the whole thing and we had only really played about 30 minutes of this four hour video and um, oh god you're welcome <laughs> so I, I split it up I didn't sit down this isn't fucking seven samurai I wasn't gonna watch it in one go so I split it up over the course of like a week or so yeah and I will say I can imagine when you're playing the game you're going up against a boss your palms are sweaty, your heart's racing a little bit, and you just got to fucking beat that guy. And as soon as you beat him, there's a character there to explain something to you. And that's got to be so fulfilling because you've almost feel like you've, uh, you've, you've achieved that. Whereas in this context, a lot of it just felt like, what, this is just fucking going on way too long. And they just talk and talk. And the cutscenes were just so long. It was staggering to me. They only get longer uh, as we go further along in this series, oh too. Uh, and I know this is different for the time, too. Like, especially from what I've read that, you know, the big difference with this game and most games is that it had actual voice actors. Right. It had had good voice actors, yeah, too. Because yeah, yeah. there is... Are you familiar with the Jill Sandwich meme? Did, no. So the Jill Sandwich line is from resident evil mm -hmm. which was on the playstation came up before metal gear the first resident evil yeah but it had full voice acting there's a okay. room that you go into and it's a trap and the ceiling's coming down and jill's like hey what's going on jill is that you jill what happened barry help me please the door won't open quick Stay away from the door, Joe. I'm gonna kick this door down. Hurry! This way! Oh, Barry! That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. <laughs> You're right. Barry, thanks for saving my life. Barry, help me. I'm gonna die. <laughs> and he's like, stand back. And it's really stilted, and he shoots the lockout mm -hmm. and lets you out. It's all, it's so, but it's, 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 it's a bad translation with, mm -hmm. you know, like a D level aspiring voice actor on top of it. It's, <laughs> but it's so charming and that era has a lot of stuff like that mm -hmm. or like the, the full motion video cutscenes which have live actors. Yeah. Those were also notorious for not being very good, but they were charming in like a a, a b-movie kind of way but mm -hmm. then something like metal gear is like no we're gonna get real voice actors we're gonna 
we're going to put some effort into this yeah. and really tell a story. And now that now that we have CD-ROM and 3D graphics, we're going to we're going to bridge the gap between video game and film. Do you fe- uh, do you feel that it accomplishes that? Do you think it holds up? I guess is what I'm asking. This is one of those things that's really hard for me to look at objectively. Okay. To be perfectly honest. Because it's one of those games. Yeah, it's one of those games. Yeah. I will say there's this thing, um, and I think we'll also get into this when we do an episode on comic books. Video games and comics seem to borrow more from, at least with their storytelling, from film. And this you see in kind of like widescreen compositions. And in some ways, I feel like they do this because they think this will people will take us seriously because we're we're mimicking these the quality of these other things, and I think sometimes that takes away from what makes a video game or a comic book special. Um, I think, you know, when you're fighting a character in the game and when you have to sneak around, that's what maybe makes the game actually great, as opposed to sitting there watching these scenes that are shot like a really shitty television show uh, of over-the-shoulder shots of two characters talking for like 15 minutes, just filling in the detail. And again, I think there'd be more impact if I was sweating it out and I'm like, oh, you know, they're here finally. And now I could sit and like, wow, oh my God, I'm getting all this information. Watching it is a whole nother thing. And so I, I can't like, you know, so I don't want to like I'm not trying to say anything disparaging against the game itself. It's just the experience of doing it this way. No, this was definitely an imperfect way to. Yeah, do Yeah, of this. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we, you know, we had certain limitations we yeah. had to work around. Because um, you're right. I think while you may have gotten a sense for the sneaking aspect, mm-hmm. the uh, the boss fights in this game and this entire series are really they're innovative. Yeah, they really are. Um, so I'm curious as to how, especially the the encounter with Psycho Mantis plays out mm-hmm. when you're watching it, because when you're playing it and especially playing it for the first time, mm-hmm. it does these really weird things because he's a psychic. If you have uh, save files on your memory card for Konami games, he would talk about them. He would comment on the way you've been playing. Um, yeah, none of that really. Pops right, up. he you can't beat him unless you disconnect your controller and put it in the second port because he he reads your mind <laughs> and so he just counters every input immediately. Yeah. See, that's a game leaning into what a video game can do and right. making it distinctive. Um, so that to me is what is appealing about a game like this, and not necessarily these extended cutscenes. Right, and I think I'm I'm sort of leaning too heavily into the cutscenes because sure. that's ultimately what you got more time with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those those experiences were absolutely part of it for me when I was a kid. Psycho Mantis is something I'll never forget. Yeah. In terms of the you know the the pantheon of of great gamer moments, that mm-hmm. was a huge one for me. Now let me read your mind. No, perhaps I should say your past. You are a very methodical man, the type that always kicks his tires before he leaves. You are a highly skilled warrior, well suited to this stealth mission. 
You are extremely careful of traps. You are either very cautious, or you are a coward. Still don't believe me? Now I'll read more deeply into your soul. Or later on when... Uh, I don't know... I don't remember if you have to, or if it's just something you can do, but if... Uh, when you're sneaking around the wolf caves, you can get the the wolf pup to pee on your box and then you put the box on and sneak around and the adult wolves won't attack you. Uh-huh. They'll just come up and sniff you and a little heart icon pops up over their head. But <laughs> yeah, or, or, or the first, the first encounter with the cyborg ninja, when you walk into that hallway and it's, yeah, he's cool I mean, looking. there's, there's blood in the game, like little sprays as you shoot guys, but then you walk in this hallway and it's just smeared everywhere. And they're just body parts. And then, you know, you're fighting, this invisible guy and having to figure out how to, yeah, so many of those moments, uh, I regret that we couldn't take the time to sit down and actually play through it because yeah. a lot is lost. Well, it's funny because, like I said, I watched this four-hour thing. I spread it out over a week, and then uh, you know, I went away on a vacation. So the game's been out of my mind for a good week and a half or so. So before I came over tonight... I did a little search to see if there's any recaps and there's so many recaps that are basically recapping all of the games. So I was like, oh, fuck it. Why not? And it was so convoluted. And I was just like, I don't, number one, I don't remember anything from, from Metal Gear Solid. And then with all this other stuff on top of it, I was just like, oh, what is going on? Um, yeah, it's, it's so many reversals and, twists and betrayals and it's it's crazy no it's super convoluted um not unlike comic books yeah or anime Mm -hmm. in that way yeah uh and that's another thing too is i think the first act or so maybe not the first act um because the first real boss fight in metal gear is revolver so you're you're fighting this elderly gunslinger well you know, the, the guy you're trying to rescue is strapped to a bunch of dynamite in the middle of a room. <laughs> and it's ridiculous, but it only gets more ridiculous. Yeah. Especially- but what, what seems to start as a pretty straightforward, like, you know, late 90s, um, you know, military action kind of vibe uh, becomes increasingly more bonkers yeah. and anime-esque. And then, I mean, even to the point where Otacon is just a an anime nerd who turns out to be your sidekick. And um, and he shows up in some of the other games too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, uh, you and Snake and Otacon become partners going forward. So the later games, you're not playing Snake. You're actually playing Big Boss? Correct. Okay. And Big Boss is actually... So Snake is a clone of Big Boss? Yes. And the bat, main bad guy of Metal Gear Solid is Liquid Snake, which is also a clone, so he's your brother and right. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid 2 is a sequel. Metal Gear Solid 3 is a prequel. Mhm. Peace Walker, which was uh, a PlayStation Portable game, is a direct sequel to Metal Gear Solid 3. Metal Gear Solid 4 is back to a direct sequel to 2. And then 5 is in the middle of you're still playing that's back to playing as big boss but it's in the 80s so it's before the original metal gear on nintendo 
it gets very convoluted. Mm-hmm. And eventually, Kiefer Sutherland plays Snake. Wait, what? Yeah, in in five, the um the character model mm-hmm. and voice is replaced by Kiefer Sutherland, which is kind of a. But isn't five a big a game with Big Boss as the main character? Uh, y- yes, but yes. he is essentially Snake. He is essentially Snake. Um, <laughs> Snake. Big Boss earns the title of Big Boss at the end of Metal Gear <laughs> Solid Three. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, three is three is probably my favorite. Okay. So three is set. What system was that for? That was on PlayStation Two. Okay. And it's set during the Cold War. You're sent to. Everyone loves a good Cold War everyone, story. Hey, we're kind of sort of living one right now, aren't we? <laughs> Politics. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In three, you go to. You're sent into Russia. It's very. They're all kind of the same story. Yeah. Um, you fight a Metal Gear in all of them, right? Uh, not in three. Okay. That's why it's your favorite. But it is a, a giant tank that drives really fast and you can <laughs> launch a nuke very far away. <laughs> well, so let's get into that because Metal Gear basically sets up that, you know, there we were gonna nuke. Well, they send Snake in, and like he's actually. They manipulate him to launch Metal Gear, which has filled with nukes, correct? Correct. They're, it's one of the many, like, uh, uh, double and triple crosses. Yeah. He finds out, like, he's the one that actually turns on Metal Gear. Right. That's what the bad guys are hoping, but then yeah. the the good guys pulling the strings have have rigged snake up with the the fox die oh that the fox that die. automatically triggers a heart attack in- so explain to me what all this symmetry nonsense means there's like something to do with like his their dna like these people and there's like they said something about their symmetry and it's in some people and not other people i did i was just like what a, i don't know what you're talking about yeah i think it's it's all sort of techno babble. Techno babble. Yeah. Who is saying that? The, a good guy or a bad guy? I don't remember. I, if I'm a bad sorry. guy said it, I'm sure they meant it to be a a condemnation of, um, you know, uh, gene purity and and <laughs> eugenics. Yeah. Uh, if a good guy said it, uh, I don't know. Maybe it was supposed <laughs> to be like a, like you got the right stuff kind of thing. <laughs> I mean the the uh, uh, the 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 big morals and the big lessons are very like at best freshman philosophy class level uh, pontificating. Most of the dialogue is pretty like action movie cliche. Oh, sure. The way snake talks about women is disgusting. Oh yeah. No doubt. I mean, even for like a late nineties video game, I was just like, Oh shit. This is like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger level. 80s commando misogyny <laughs> it's pretty crazy right um and i you know i feel like some of it's tongue-in-cheek some of it doesn't play that way um he's certainly he being the the director of these games certainly knows what he's pulling from because um what's his name uh gregor williamson the i think he did the score for the rock okay um does music for like two and three. Oh, okay. So they certainly they're borrowing. They certainly wear their influences on their yeah. sleeve. It, Snake says at one point, 
Women have more hiding places than men. That was a good snake voice. Thanks. And then that scientist dude goes, she has a great way of walking. She really wiggles her behind. What? I wasn't waiting to kill people. I was waiting for someone to kill me. He's a tortured soldier. He is. My favorite line, I think, was Snake goes uh, to his boss. He goes, can I trust her? And then his boss replies, more than you can trust me. I want to use that in my everyday life. (laughs) Hey, Matt, do you think you could, can we trust this milk? I don't know. The expiration date is kind of close. More than you can trust me. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, so when it ends, the credits are rolling, and there's, like, video clips of polar bears. I, there's, like, an environmental message at the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are, there are a lot of messages. There's so many. Let's see. We've got nuclear disarmament, mm-hmm. uh, shadow government. Yep. Uh, Live your best life. Mm-hmm. Control and manipulation. Yep. Uh, genetic engineering. Mm-hmm. Biological warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Good versus evil. Yep. Uh, media manipulation becomes a big one in the second one. Oh. Yeah, so the polar bears are a little heavy-handed. Yeah. Um, the whole ending is pretty heavy. It's got that kind of classic 90s anime music in the background. with like Yeah, the, the, for sure. Yeah. It's super, super melodramatic. Pretty corny. A uh, lot of strings. A lot of synth. Yeah, there's nothing subtle about this game. But I mean, are there any video games from that era that are subtle? Can you say, are there any video games now that are subtle? Isn't just the nature of how it has to explain things to you mean that it's not ever going to be subtle? I think, generally speaking, I think the the medium sort of matured into a little bit of subtlety. Yeah. What do you <sighs> think when... It's, a, it's really all in the eye of the beholder, I think. You sure? You know, depending on who you get into an argument with about the validity of video games as art, you oh, know. Yeah, you know, Roger Ebert was famous for saying that video games cannot be art, and uh, he got a lot of flack for that. This is this is shortly before he died. He yeah, both- I I I really disagree with that. Yeah. I I think that's unfair to the hundreds of people who are forced to work really shitty conditions to make these things happen. I mean, this is an interesting example. Uh, to have this conversation with because Hideo Kojima is so closely associated with the vision in total of Metal Gear Solid. But at the end of the day, it's uh, a A big budget production. You know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen with these things. And I, do, do you think that, that the gaming industry is sort of taking on this hierarchy of the film industry in the sense that a lot of times people look at art house movies as serious movies and the big budget things as you know not serious is there an equivalent to that now in the gaming industry yeah i would say so um but i'm i'm not saying that as fact because i know that there are great big budget movies um and shitty art house movies yeah no and i think and i think that that same theory applies, you know, the, the big studios have their big annual releases. Um, but you know, the advent of not just PCs, but consoles being all interconnected, um, the last 
bunch of years has been a, a renaissance of indie games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stuff like Hollow Knight comes out to a massive acclaim. You get something like Stardew Valley, which one guy literally spent years making. Isn't Hollow Knight just three people? Yeah, I mean, they're not new. Yeah, these yeah. these games aren't being made by the the number of artists spread spread across the globe which is really. interesting because then you hear a game like red dead redemption where there was a lot of issues with you know forced labor and um in order to meet this deadline and people are were after this was kind of made public people were like well wait how did you allow this to happen yeah and there's a there's a a, a very vocal movement right now happening within that industry for um for developers to unionize yeah you know um and there's actually a a great book that i read by uh one of the writers at kotaku jason schreier Uh, it's called blood sweat and pixels and each chapter looks at the production cycle of a different game uh some running the gamut from something like stardew valley which again is just the one guy up to uncharted 4 which is hundreds of people spread across different satellite offices. Uh, and the last chapter of the book is Star Wars 1313, which got canceled after a ton of work, but part of Disney acquiring Lucasfilm, and they got LucasArts, meaning they shut the company down. And what was that game supposed to be? It was going to be kind of like uh, my, my like memory. Like an open world? No, kind of like an Uncharted. Uh, but yeah, there's, especially with that industry, there's so much work that goes into building just the the pieces that you need that when these sort of midstream decisions come along to scrap everything or even just to undo a few months work i mean it's that's countless man hours yeah you know? um but we were talking about video games as art and i think <laughs> yeah um well it's interesting because like how do you judge how do you compare something like tetris to metal gear you know, if they're both in the same kind of, can Tetris be art? Uh, you know, can can Metal Gear be art? I think the discussion about games is art happens on different levels. I don't, yeah. I don't even know how many, but I'm, I mean, you talk about something like Tetris. Yeah. You could argue Tetris is a perfect game simply based on mechanics. Yeah. Right? Maybe perfect is a, a very big word to use here. It's fucking perfect, Tony. You take that back. But it, yeah, it just, it, it. <laughs> It, it it does exactly what it's set out to. It mm-hmm. has this very catchy, hooky mechanic that makes it really hard to put down. Then you have something like a Metal Gear or a Red Dead Redemption, which is this big sprawling narrative that has an element of mechanics to it as well. Yeah. Um, with Metal Gear, it's the sneaking and the, the, the way the gameplay, when you get to a boss, challenges you to... Um, think about everything you've learned so far about the world and how it operates and so on and so forth. That's how a lot of games treat their boss battles, right? It's sort of a, this is the test. Show us what you've yeah mastered now. And you can't really look at them. But I mean, film you can look at in a number of different ways as well in terms of a narrative or, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the production or sure. the cinematography. Yeah, I mean, you are obviously like you can com- can you compare like I don't know, Tree of Life with Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo? 
I mean, we went from comparing Tetris to Metal Gear to <laughs> Tree of Life to Deuce Bigelow. I don't think that's fair. <laughs> I was just, all right. So, all right. Tree of Life and um, Wayne's World. Sure. Okay. Yes. Two very different things that yeah, lots of people like. Two different things that lots of people like. I think what I think what Ebert was saying was that in film he feels that it's revealing something about humanity. That when you watch a story, it's telling something about us, uh, and it's teaching us about empathy. And he did he himself didn't see that in video games. I can't imagine he really played video games either. To be quite honest, he got into a lot of arguments with people. It was really weird. Yeah, it seems like a weird hill for someone like him to die on. Yeah. Although, depending on when, there may have been something in the, the the zeitgeist about video games supplanting movies as popular art. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if this is... A it is a bigger industry now, right? Or it's close. I mean, yeah. And I can't remember if this is uh, an apocryphal story or not, but my memory is that Grand Theft Auto 4 and the first Iron Man came out the same weekend. And there was discussion about paying more attention to when big games were coming out because even though Iron Man did big money, they there was an opinion that had it not come out the same weekend as Grand Theft Auto Four, it would have made more. You know, which who knows? Maybe that is a. Uh, it's yeah, it's roughly the same week. Yeah, May second for uh, Iron Man and April 29th. So I mean, who knows? Maybe that's when he was having that conversation. I also think that games can tell us about ourselves. and Especially when you're playing multiplayer games online, you can hear other people calling you an asshole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're you're lucky if they're just calling you an asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I mean, online games certainly reveal a lot of uh, the, the gross tendencies of the human condition. But I'm thinking of games like uh, The Last of Us or the recent God of War, which were both from a narrative level, really dealing with things like grief, fatherhood. Um, in the case of The Last of Us, uh, the character you play as, his daughter dies at the very beginning of the game as this sort of um, outbreak pandemic thing is happening. The world goes to hell and cut to several years later and he sort of learns to be a father again by having to protect this teenage girl who's immune to the virus. It's wiped out. Uh, society god of war uh, kratos being just this death dealing machine closed reserved i've left that part of my life behind me and i'm doing everything in my power to forget it meanwhile he has this son who thinks his father hates him because his father is trying to protect him from himself and his 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 past and again none of it's very subtle yeah um, but there, there, there's an effort being put into saying something instead of just being, look at this cool character. Here's all the ways you can do neat stuff. Yeah. I mean, look at how long it took for people to take, uh, television seriously. Even still, like there's this kind of like, you know, every once in a while you hear people say like, you know, actors, movie stars are coming to television now. It's like, well, this has been happening for like almost 20 years, you know, but we only really talk about, you know, Sopranos forward. Um, so 
it's similar. It's just it's even newer than TV. So I mean, or even you know, comic books have been around for. I mean, Batman turns eighty this year, yeah. and, and Bill Maher still wants to pick fights with people online saying yeah. it's for kids. But he's in the minority now. I mean. That's an argument that I think we had when we were kids. And I think it's just the predominant thing. I think the problem with comics now is essentially that they're just so omnipresent. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so I think people just get sick of it. And But I think a lot of people take comics in general seriously now, especially because things like Mouse, are, I believe, are in the... Uh, like L- the Library of Congress? Yeah. I just... I don't... I don't know that there is any single artistic medium that you can point to and say that, no, that's not art. You know, I think, um, sure. I I think just as much as music and film and comics and TV video games, they're a different way to tell stories. Some tell better stories better than others. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's just a, it's just such a crotchety get off my lawn take that being said uh because typically a younger audience engages with a youtube personality but just because the ones we hear about tend to be uh more obnoxious or um are nazis or are nazis um you know you i don't we can't discount that entire ecosystem of entertainment you know i mean my wife follows uh i don't know if they're norwegian or what but this this couple these um these two gentlemen who have a a knitting channel and she she's like oh yeah i was watching arna and carlos and she knows them and she has a kind of like podcasting. She has a relationship that's one-sided, but she knows these people, but she follows it because it's specific to this interest of hers. And, you know, if a kid's watching someone who he thinks is funny, you know, provided that, again, it's not like a PewDiePie or some piece of garbage. But, I mean, there's there's garbage film. There's garbage yeah. video games. There's garbage literature. There's, mm-hmm. I, I think it's just because it's not for us there's a band called Garbage. Sure, they're only happy when it rains. I disagree with that, but mm. no, I'm just I'm actually perfect. I I think a, a I, like nice, the, I, like I think a nice shower is lovely. Yeah, I like it when it's kind of sprinkling a little bit. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or esports, like going back to video games, is you know, uh, I was reading an article in like the Washington Post about a um, an Overwatch team, and you know, most of the comments were just a bunch of, uh, this is a waste of time. Why'd you write this? This isn't real news or real sports. And it's like, well, it's just not for you. Yeah. And I just don't understand. Yeah. My brother loves watching, um, league of legends. Yeah. He watches other people play it. Right. And he loves it. I just don't understand that, that, that impulse people have to write things off. To not even write that write things off, but because they can put out into a public sphere, I don't like this. Sure. <laughs> um, without offering anything productive. <laughs> yeah. You're um, right. Especially on social media, when you see someone say like, "Here's a thing I like," and then someone's just like, "That's not good." Right. That happens so often, and it's so it's so defeating because it's just like, oh, why? Right. And I know 
so I know this is going to be a, a tough, a tough sell. Cause I know you're not a sports person, mm-hmm. but every year I can, I can predict which of my Facebook friends like for the Super Bowl or the World Series and be like, what is there some sort of sports ball happening? Derp, derp, derp. And yeah. like, you're not clever. And, yes. you know, no one's dunking on you for whatever bullshit you like. It only <laughs> sure. happens once a year. And it's sure. just, I don't. And I know football's complicated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, Are we going to do a Super Bowl episode? Maybe. I. I'll Meg tell you. I'll, me. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I watched the last game of the World Series last mm-hmm. year, and I am almost embarrassed by how emotionally invested I got <laughs> so quickly. I think what happened was I bought a house, <laughs> and suddenly I had a lawn to take care of, and I had opinions about my local professional sports team, <laughs> and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> okay, Dad. Right. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's the same thing. It's just, uh, it, you know, that yeah. those, you know, those, you know, who is going to be like, oh, Avengers, what? Who cares? They're all going to whatever. And like, yeah. they're just going to have some half baked, yeah. not very funny take. Yeah. There's a big difference between criticism to or thoughtful criticism and that kind of blanket kind of. Right. You, you can tell when someone is, is dismissing something they haven't given a an honest yeah, sure. go at you know sure uh, wow metal gear <laughs> metal gear <laughs> sorry we got a little little sidetracked we did there. get sidetracked so this is not the ideal experience for metal gear sure but i mean i can appre- like i can take a step back and appreciate why this game appeals to people uh why it was an important game and why uh you know especially why it was important to you mm-hmm. i you know in a lot of ways, I this experience is, you know, uh, I, it made me kind of, you know, I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to experience it when it came out. Yeah. Well, thanks to the miracle of emulation, you still can. <laughs> yeah. But I did have Banjo-Kazooie and uh, Banjo-Tooie, which was the sequel. Metal Gear Solid 2, mm-hmm. very controversial. In what way? You only play as Snake for like the first two hours. And then you play as a character called Raiden, who people hated. Oh. And this one's your favorite? No, the no, third, third one. Third one, one is, is my favorite. favorite. Uh, third one is set in the Cold War, and it's all set in the jungle, so you're not hiding in, like, factories and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're hiding in uh, foliage. You have to sort of uh, change your camo out yeah. as you go. Um, oh, right. True to the crazy boss battles, there's a guy who sh- shoots bees at you. Out there, of his mouth? Uh, no. There is a, a deranged cosmonaut who has a flamethrower. Um, the best one is a guy called The End, who is a sniper who's over 100 years old. You have two ways to beat him. You can fight him in a very long sniper battle because he's super stealthy and quiet. Or if you don't get to that point within two weeks of starting the game, he just dies of old age, and you don't have to fight him at all. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's also a ghost. Like a real ghost? There's a ghost. There's So there's a mechanic in the game that comes into play at the end. But you uh, A mechanic ghost? You encounter this ghost, and you're walking down a river, okay. and all the guys you've killed so far, their ghosts come at you and slow you down. And you finally get to the end of the river, and you just die. 
but the wait, game, is this like the river sticks? But the game over screen doesn't go away because <laughs> you are given uh you're given like a fake suicide pill. Okay. And then the revival capsule. And you have to use the revival capsule to wake up out of the ghost coma you're in. <laughs> what do you have to just hit like the circle button? Yeah, you just hit the item <laughs> the item button. Uh, oh, and Ocelot's in it, but he's a young guy. Oh, okay. And you fight him at one point, but you knock him out. And if you kill him, instead of game over, it's his time paradox. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I like that. Uh, oh, wow. It seems like you have a lot of fond memories of this I do. game. So Metal Gear Solid 3 came out when I was in college. And I had roommates who would just ask me, "Are you gonna play that? You gonna play that jungle game?" <laughs> and my my roommate Pete and his now his wife, they would just like hang out, and just watch me sneak around, <laughs> and I'd get really into it and be like, "Yeah, you guys have to whisper." Yeah, those Russians are gonna hear me. <laughs> um, so I got the PlayStation later on, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it was because of Final Fantasy VII. I wanted to play it desperately. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I got it, uh, and I got that in, in Resident Evil 2. And this is a time when I was still living at home, um, and my brother and I were 15 years apart. So he was really little, but we were sharing a room, uh, which is really odd. Um, but I would come home late at night, usually like midnight, and I'd put on Resident Evil 2, uh, and he'd wake up. <laughs> in the middle of the night and he'd be terrified to go back to sleep because he'd be he wanted to watch me play he used to watch me play final fantasy and resident evil and he would just you know be terrified because i was playing and these fucking zombie dogs would come and attack oh. and i'd be like ah! in the middle of the night i'd scream or just the yeah. moaning yeah yeah like, you don't know where they're coming from yeah so uh he used to watch all the time it's really nice funny. yeah but he's I, he's played them now he's plays way more video games than i do so yeah. Yeah. When I played through Final Fantasy Seven, um my my memory card had some sort of weird error and it wiped everything. But my my friend's little brother was at like the same point in the game as I was, so I just copied his save. So none of my none of my character builds were the same, like none of the magic was the same. But what killed me was he gave all of his characters the dumbest fucking names. <laughs> so like Barrett was Big Steve, um, or like I think Red Thirteen was Woofy or or something. That's awesome. um, yeah, I played through Final Fantasy VII a couple years ago. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I think it's the only Final Fantasy I've finished. I've played a bunch of them. I finished ten. I played fifteen, which is the newest one. Ten two is the last one I've ever played. I hated 15. Yeah. It got to the point where I was like, it was, I was just so mad because <laughs> all I was doing, I kept getting distracted. It became like an open world game and the side quest stuff is just so distracting and like addicting. There's no urgency. Mm-hmm. The world is in peril. And this scientist is like, can you collect me three rainbow frogs? <laughs> of course we can. <laughs> we'll be back in seven hours. <laughs> it was just so, and it's like, just four bros driving around in a convertible. It's really, it just, ah, I hated it. I Bummer. hated it so much. Oh, jeez. Sorry, sorry. It's okay. It's all right. Um, cool. Yeah. Do we have anything else to say about Metal Gear Solid? Oh, I wanted to tell you who the voice of Snake was, David Hayter. Did you look this up at all? No. David Hayter is not just a voice actor known mm-hmm. for Solid Snake. Mm-hmm. 
He's a screenwriter whose credits include X-Men 2. What? And a draft of Watchmen. And he's credited oh. in the Zack Snyder movie for writing Interesting. a draft of Watchmen. Yep. Wow. Huh. Yep. Learn something new every day. Learn something new. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations or things that come to mind based off of your experience with Metal Gear? Look, man, I'm going to come down to brass tacks here. I don't know what video game I would recommend based off of this. Doesn't have to but be. But if you game. play this fucking game and you see this guy and you're like, he's kind of cool. And you've never seen Escape from New York. You need to fucking see Escape from New York. The main character, Snake, is based off of the main character of Escape from New York, Snake Plissken, played by the great Kurt uh, Russell. Oh, I thought you were signaling to me to chime in, and I'm like, no, he didn't just forget Kurt Russell's <laughs> name, did he? No. Uh, directed by one of my favorite directors, uh, John Carpenter. Nice. Yeah. With cin- uh, cinematography by the great Dean Cundey. Beautiful looking movie with some amazing matte paintings that they don't do anymore, and they're just some of my favorites. Yeah. Eventually, Snake does get that eye patch. Yeah, but isn't that a different? Yeah. Uh, so right. Boss gets yeah. the eye patch, but in Metal Gear Four, he's got like a, a cybernetic enhancement yeah. one because he's old man Snake. But he does kind of talk the same way, Colonel. Sort of. What would you recommend, Tony? I've got a couple, and they're not video games. Okay. As well. Actually, both of my recommendations are, are, are Japanese films. I'm going to recommend the original Godzilla. Oh, great. It's a very strong anti-nuke parable. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've only seen Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is the the American rebranding of it, yeah, uh, which they, they forced, dubbed. they dubbed, they put in scenes of like a, an American reporter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels very cheesy, like you'd expect in like, Godzilla sort of became as the series went on. But the original, like Metal Gear, really kind of plays it straight. The message is very heavy-handed. Um, yeah, but, but it's a great B-movie kind yeah, of. Yeah, the earnestness of it. Yeah. Um, you know, you get the mad scientist. Mm-hmm. and It's awesome. It's great. More guys in rubber suits. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay. And Ghost in the Shell. Oh, yeah. Because when Starring I... Starring Scarlett Johansson. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that that I can't remember the last time I stopped watching a movie. Yeah, but that was it. Really, the Scarlett Johansson, yeah. Ghost in the Shell. I think it's better than uh, its reputation. I was just so bored, and I was yeah. so I think upset that a movie that looked that good was it's so gorgeous. boring. It's so gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's startling how pretty that movie is. I got like half an hour in, and I couldn't hear the word ghost another time. <laughs> Yeah. But the anime, Ghost in the Shell, yeah, it's is great. great. Like Metal Gear plays with, there's a lot of uh, themes of identity mm-hmm. and self. But really, um, I remember the first time fighting, that fight with Cyborg Ninja. Mm-hmm. And the, immediately I was like, oh, this is like Ghost in the Shell when she's in the canal. Yeah. And she's fighting that guy. And that whole sequence is great with her, with her, her stealth armor on. And it's just this wonderfully animated fight with just one character but the way she's running around the water and it's just oh it's so good it's such a such a great sequence so mm. yeah have you ever seen the sequel i haven't i've heard some people say it's better it's divisive though because i've heard some people are like no it's garbage and other people like it's like one of the best of the decade uh, came out 
I don't know how I, f- that's, oh man, when something's that, that split. Yeah. Yeah. I should check that out. Yeah, for sure. So what are we going to be talking about next time? Uh, we're going to be talking about Pet Cemetery, the book. But the book or the cemetery? Uh, did you ever b- bury any pets when you were a kid? Uh, I flushed a few fish, and I did come back from a weekend away with my grandparents to find out that my grow a frog had died. What's a grow a frog? <laughs> it's like it's like a it's like sea monkeys but bigger. It's it's uh, like an you, actual frog. You get a kit, and they they send you like like a uh, like a you buy a kit, and they send you this freeze dried. I don't know. It, it's like a little tadpole, and you uh-huh. put it in water, and it grows. Okay. And it grows into a frog, but it's kind of got, like, translucent skin. So you can kind of, like, see its insides. And How long did you have this for? <laughs> I don't remember how long I had it for. I just know that when I came back from a weekend away with my grandparents when I was five, mm-hmm. Kermit was dead. Oh, his name was Kermit. I named him Kermit. That's so sad. Yep. He was he was dead. Buried him in the fen- uh, uh-huh. in the backyard near the fence. Okay. Made a little cardboard grave for him. Oh man. Yep. R.I.P. Kermit. R.I.P. Um, I never buried a pet, but I had a cat. His name was Garbage Truck. Garbage Truck. I named him Garbage Truck. I like Garbage Trucks. I was like two. I was like three. Just learning how to talk. Yeah. So we call him GT for short, which is pretty cool. Come on. GT cat. GT. And he was an outdoor cat, and I came home one day, and his tail was missing. What? Yeah, it was really weird. And then he started going crazy. I got the story from my grandmother, which was, oh, he went to a farm to live with other animals. And I you know, learned later on what that meant. He was put down? He was dead. Oh, man. Yeah. You know what? What? Had GT been a grow frog. That tail would have come right back. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember if grow frogs had regenerative properties or not. <laughs> I mean, they were freaks of nature. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't lose him like like a Frogger or something like that. He didn't like cross the road or anything. And just are you asking me about? Was he Kerm- an outdoor Frogger? Was he an outdoor Kermit? <laughs> no, he he. <laughs> I mean, did you walk? Or did you have a leash for your frog? No, it was an abomination. It was it was a live animal that I bought from a mail order kit at a toy store. Oh, it was <laughs> it was it was like a. I mean, the more I think about it, it's kind of like a. I'm I'm lucky this like Lovecraftian horror story didn't unfold in my bedroom. It was. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. just really strange. So nice. There was a toy store in in North Conway where we go for a vacation every summer, and they had a grow. They'd sell grow frogs, and they had one. And I I'm not doubting it was the same one on the counter, because as the years went on, it just became this just this slightly larger but increasingly more just swollen frog looking thing. It did not look healthy. <laughs> so. That's awesome, yeah. So pet cemetery, pet cemetery. So we're gonna we're gonna read the book. We're gonna read the book. We're gonna watch the original movie. The original movie. And then um, it's gonna be late for you guys, but this is all happening right around the time that the remake is coming out. Gonna for go us. see the remake. All right, that's it. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's What Did We Miss? 
If you want to know more about the episode, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at What Did We Miss for links to some of the clips, videos, and research we may have mentioned throughout the episode, plus previews of upcoming shows. Drop us a line and let us know what you think, especially if we're talking about one of your pop culture blind spots.